Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew starts a new Bible series on the pastoral epistles of the Apostle Paul, with his first sermon from the book of Titus, entitled, The Hope of Eternal Life, preached November the 9th, 2014. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 1. The Hope of Eternal Life. And eternal life, we read, is in the Son, in Jesus Christ. And what must I do to receive eternal life? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And he will save you today as you listen to the preached word. God willing, I will be preaching from the pastoral epistles of St. Paul, consisting of three books, his letter to Titus and to Timothy, 1st Timothy and 2nd Timothy. In this church, friends, in this church, we believe in the absolute authority of the Bible. In fact, it alone is truth. It is the word of God written. It teaches us what to believe and how shall we live in a crooked and depraved generation. Jesus himself believed in the scripture. St. Paul tells us this, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed, meaning it is the word of God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Or listen to St. Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is believed that Paul was set free from prison. From prison he wrote prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. It is believed that Paul was set free from prison to pursue his evangelistic work. Paul went to Crete, the island of Crete, with Titus to preach. There he left Titus to complete certain tasks while he went to other places in the region like Nicopolis and Dalmatia. Crete was a large mountainous island in the Mediterranean, 250 kilometer long and 50 to 11 kilometer wide. Titus was left in Crete to bring order in the churches by appointing elders. And he was to stop the heretics, to teach biblical doctrine, that is the apostolic doctrine, so that people may live godly lives. This epistle, Titus, was written also for the purpose to strengthen the authority of his young co-worker Titus and it is written between 63 and 65 AD 
Titus was a Gentile Christian and his name appears 12 times in the New Testament. First, let me speak to you about Paul, Paul the Apostle. And he says he is a slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul was a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. He was a Roman citizen and his father was a Roman citizen. He was educated under the famous Rabbi Gamaliel in Jerusalem. He tells us in Acts 22, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. He was the top of his class. So we read in Galatians 1, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He was a Pharisee, a persecutor of Christianity. Jesus appeared to him, saved him, and appointed him as his apostle. He became the most protective apostle. So we read in 1 Corinthians 15, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He was there in Jerusalem when they stoned Stephen. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. Here in this epistle, Paul calls himself a slave of God. And that expression is only found here. And he was also a slave of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 verse 1. In other words, he was owned by God and redeemed by the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 We read, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Or 1 Peter 1, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamp without blemish or defect. A slave is to hear and do the will of the owner always. He looks to God alone for provision, protection, and direction. Only slaves of God the Father and Christ Jesus enjoy true freedom. So we read in Romans 6, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And again, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Every Christian, friends, is a slave of the triune God by creation and redemption. Every unbeliever is a slave of the devil. As such, he can only sin and he sins always. Friends, no one is autonomous 
free to do one's own thing. It's a lie. All believers in Jesus are God's slaves and his adopted sons who do the will of God with great delight. As such, they enjoy true maximum freedom. The Bible says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Yet Paul says, he is also Jesus Christ's apostle. He speaks for Christ and writes the infallible word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is called and commissioned by Christ himself. He is the ambassador of Jesus. And he is given the power of attorney to act in Christ's name. You read in Matthew 10, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. Matthew 10 verse 40, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. In Paul's letters, Christ himself is speaking to the church, to you and to me. Number two, the goal of this apostolic commission is that he may preach the gospel, that you may believe in Jesus Christ based on the knowledge of God, that you may have hope of eternal life. What is the goal of his apostolic commission? It is that through his preaching of the gospel of Christ, the elect of God may come to repent and trust in Jesus to have eternal life and be saved from the wrath of God. For we read, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we also read in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, that is eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, there is no salvation in anybody else. Jesus Christ is, is the Savior. And in him is eternal life. And that's why you must today repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. How do we know Anyone is an elect of God. He says Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of the elect of God and for the full knowledge of truth which leads to godliness based on the hope of what, sir? Eternal life. How do we know anyone is an elect of God? The elect of God will repent and believe in Jesus Christ and live a holy life. To the elect of God, God will send a person to preach the gospel. And that person will repent and believe. Repent and believe. And that person will live a holy life. All of life. Persevering to the very end. Elect of God are sinners chosen by God from eternity past to be saved. So we read these words, John 17, verse 6. We are talking about the eternal covenant of redemption. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. 
gave me in eternity. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. 17.9, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's what eternal life is. Beatific vision. Seeing God, being with God forever and ever and ever. And John chapter 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to know about election? I'll tell you. Romans 8, 29 through 34, those God foreknew, that is in eternity, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined. He also called in time, that is, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. What God did in eternity and in time and eternity future. Colossians 3.12, therefore ask God's elect, chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Or Acts 13.48, when the Gentiles heard the gospel, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. Do you honor the word of the Lord? How do you honor the word of the Lord? By repentance and faith. You honor the word of the Lord as you honor God because it is his word that is coming to you right now. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The elect will believe. Friends, the legion demon man was an elect of God. So Jesus sought him and saved him. Every elect will hear the gospel and by the power of the spirit confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus who did die. Jesus who rose again. Jesus who is given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus who is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And you will die, but he will raise you up. The elect trust in Jesus Christ based on their knowledge of the truth of the apostolic gospel which I am preaching to you. Those who hear the truth of the gospel but refuse to believe prove themselves to be not chosen by God. So we read about them in 2 Timothy 3, 7. Always learning. Coming to church. Hearing the sermon. Always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Or Titus 3, 10 and 11. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that have nothing to do with it. You may be sure that such a man is warped, sinful, self-condemned. But the elect will certainly believe the gospel of truth. The gospel truth of the person and work of Jesus. What is truth? Pilate asked. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus is the truth who was standing before him. Truth, friends, is God's very word. 
St. Paul says in Romans 3, let God be true. And every man a liar. John 17 verse 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Acts 4 verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. His name is Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin because he alone died on the cross for our sin. The elect of God come to faith in the gospel because Holy Spirit regenerates them. And they receive the gifts of repentance and saving faith. They are effectually called. They have the mind of Christ. The true church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. True church is the church where the gospel is preached. True church is the pillar and foundation of the truth, not on of ceremonies. Michelangelo's painting, high ceiling, and all the ceremonies. He received apostleship for the faith of the elect of God. And the knowledge of the truth. The truth of the gospel in its essence is stated in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me read verse 3 through 5. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. It's the most important thing in the whole world. Because it is the medicine for all human misery. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter. Friends, there is no pluralism. That is, there is no other equally valid truth other than the gospel truth. Which alone is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And all other religions are important to save you. Because they don't have a God, man, savior who died on the cross and was raised from the dead. The scripture alone is God's infallible revelation to man. Jesus alone is the savior of the elect of the world. And this Jesus Christ demands faith in him. By believing the truth of the gospel preached by God called and commissioned ministers of the gospel. Friends, Christianity is not irrationalism, emotionalism, subjectivism. Christianity is not a leap in the dark. It is a reasonable faith which demands a new heart, a renewed mind. And so Paul says, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. He received apostleship for the faith of the elect of God and the knowledge of the truth. Faith is in the knowledge of the truth. 
not some irrational, emotional nothingness. Faith is not based on your tears. It makes no difference. And so we read, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed to us by his spirit. That happens as you listen to my preaching. The Holy Spirit works in your heart and makes you understand the gospel and causes you to trust in Jesus Christ alone to be saved. And this knowledge of the truth produces uh, godliness in the elect believer. And Jesus Christ is the incarnation of godliness. Therefore, a disciple of Jesus lives a godly life. He received apostleship for the faith of the elect of God and the knowledge of the truth leading towards godliness. And if you are living an ungodly life, you are not an elect of God. Jesus Christ was godliness. During the days of the life of Jesus on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his godliness. And we read in Romans 1 verse 5, through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. If you believe, you will obey. Obedience based on the gospel. And here we read in Hebrews 12 verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's the sine qua non, essential condition for you to see God. If you don't, Matthew 7, 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And we read in Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us to say what, sir? No to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this world, in this present age. 1 Peter 4, 2 says, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather he lives his life for the will of God. Second Peter 3, 11 and 12, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. Or First John 3, verse 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. As he is pure. Or listen to St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What's the answer? Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Nothing. What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? Nothing. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Therefore, come out from them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. A holy life, godliness, 
separation from the world be not conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind aletheia must produce eusebia what does that mean sir truth of the gospel must produce godliness an ungodly christian is a fake he is a child of the devil i want you to know that you can be in the church forever doesn't make you a child of god you are non elect an ungodly church is a synagogue of satan godly life is the proof that one's faith is based on the knowledge of the truth of the gospel and that he is god's elect it's not a mystery sir make your calling and election sure and there is a way to do it are you living a holy life not are you perfect this is the way we make our calling and election sure are you living a holy life our holy life in this world assures us of the full enjoyment of eternal life in the future the elect who are effectually called and justified shall most certainly be glorified when jesus comes again most assuredly sir you can die in peace surely we enjoy eternal life now yet not in its fullness we now hope for our future glorification friends our destiny is what sir glory so we read romans 8:30 and those he predestined he also called and those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified and romans 9:23 what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory the unbelievers are dead in sins they are without hope and without god they are objects of wrath prepared for destruction but we are given eternal life we are saved being saved and shall be saved we wait for the glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ And so let me read to you 1 Thessalonians 4 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever that's eternal life eternal life therefore encourage each other with these words sir the bible alone gives us encouragement in 1st corinthians 15 verse 52 in a flash in the twinkling of an eye and the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed glory in eternity past god has chosen us for eternal life faith based on the gospel points us to the hope of what sir eternal life hope of eternal life Romans 5:1 and 2 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God sir a christian alone has hope sure hope certain hope of the coming of our lord jesus christ in glory to glorify us 
And so Romans 5, 5, and hope does not what's, uh, disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And that Holy Spirit gives you hope. Here it is the statement, 1 John 5, 11, And this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life. And this life is where, sir? In the Son. Did you believe in Jesus Christ? Because nobody else can give you eternal life. This life is in the Son. Have you repented and trusted in Jesus Christ? He is also our hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. First Timothy 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. He is our life. He is our hope. Colossians 127 to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery what is this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory he is our life he is our hope and he doesn't disappoint us at all he is the hope of glory this promise of future eternal life is in Christ Jesus And this hope of eternal life is a living hope, not a dead one. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, this is what, sir, a living hope. God the Father himself promised this eternal life. He promised it in eternity before the creation of the world. This God cannot lie. So we read in Numbers 23:19 God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should change his mind does he speak and then not act does he promise and not fulfill 2 Corinthians 1:24 no matter how many promises God has made they are what sir yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God the Father. First Timothy 6.12 Let us all fight the good fight of faith that we may take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God the Father himself promised this eternal life when did he do that sir in eternity to whom did he promise the elect of God who is the elect of God those whom God loved with special love in eternity God the Father himself promised this eternal life. He promised in eternity before the creation of the world, before the fall. And this God cannot, what sir? Lie. In other words, what he promises, he fulfills. This God cannot lie. But the devil is a liar and what sir? father of all lies whenever you lie the devil is influencing you that's why you must deal with the issue of lie when your children lie and say you tell truth because a lie is from the devil and don't what give place to the devil don't lie tell me truth man lies Cretans regarded lying as socially acceptable. And so we read in Titus 1.12, even one of their prophets has said three things about Cretans. They are always liars, always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons eat a lot of food and don't work and keep lying 
So Cretans are liars. They lie all the time. But thank God, God is truth and he will not lie. What he promises in the Bible, he fulfills it. And so if you want to pray, you pray this way. Lord, you promised. Please do it for me. God alone always keeps his promises perfectly. St. John tells us in 1 John 2 verse 25. This is what God promised us even eternal life. What God promised before the creation of the world. He has fulfilled. He has made manifest. He has revealed in the fullness of time. And that's what we read in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 and 5. In the fullness of time. God sent his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law. God who promised us eternal life in his own opportune time made manifest, the Greek text says, his word. That is the word of God in the apostolic gospel preaching. Listen carefully. He made manifest his word to the world when the eternal word became flesh. In Jesus Christ. So we read in John's gospel chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And what's the the word was God. Jesus Christ is God. And John 1 verse 4. In him was life. Eternal life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 1.14, the word became flesh. Why did he become flesh? That he may live a righteous life, and that he may die on the cross for our sins, that he may give us what, sir, eternal life. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John says in his first epistle, chapter 1, 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, capital letter, word of life, Jesus Christ. The word of life The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has, what sir, appeared to us. That's what Paul says in this verse. Listen to 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Who has saved us and called us to what sir? A holy life. That is the other pastoral epistle. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life. And if you are not living a holy life. You are not a Christian. You are not born of God. You are a fake. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of his own purpose and grace, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That God loved us, God chose us, and grace was given for us in Jesus Christ. 
this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but notice it has now been revealed through the appearing of our savior that's the first coming Christ Jesus who has destroyed death for us not for everybody for us he destroyed death by his death that's why he became flesh destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel that's why when you hear the gospel if you are an elect you will repent and trust in the gospel and you are given what sir life and immortality immortal eternal life but thank god jesus christ has brought us life and what immortality to light by his life and death on the cross or first peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21 he was chosen before the creation of the world jesus christ was chosen as our savior before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake for your salvation through him you believe in god who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in god the gospel is the gospel of jesus christ nobody else can save you nobody else destroyed the death nobody else can give you eternal life the gospel is the gospel of jesus christ there is no gospel apart from the person and saving work of jesus god's eternal word all other religions is false fake cannot help anybody religion is a business sir it's a pretty good successful business but it cannot give you salvation jesus christ the eternal word became flesh he lived and died for our sins and he said i give them eternal life believe that sir that's the truth the preaching of the gospel centers on Jesus Christ it's not psychology philosophy sociology it cannot save you jesus saves you the gospel therefore centers on jesus christ his person and his work the preacher in his preaching lifts up jesus christ the eternal word of god incarnate crucified and risen from the dead that everyone who looks to him in faith may be saved that's preaching so john 3:14 and 15 jesus says just as moses lifted up the snake in the desert so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life everyone and first corinthians 2 verse 2 4 i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified yes. for i resolved to know nothing no philosophy no anything else. he knew everything but i didn't he didn't believe that philosophy can save you for i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified the question is do you believe in jesus christ who was crucified dead and buried and raised from the dead to whom all authority in heaven and earth is given do you trust in him believe in him Galatians 3:1 I am speaking about preaching. Yes. Galatians 3:1 you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Yes. 
then you have to ask the question why was he crucified who was he why was he crucified and you should get answers to that question and the answer is christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification first timothy 1:15 and 16 here is a trustworthy saying that deserves what's a full acceptance by everybody Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive what sir eternal life the gospel declares that god's eternal son jesus christ was delivered over to death for our sins not his sins he was righteous for our sins and was raised to life for our justification the father did this friends isaac was spared the son of god was not this gospel paul says was a trust given to the apostles including saint paul what does that mean they are to preach the gospel faithfully without adding to it subtracting from it or perverting it that's what we do in this church this gospel centers on god man jesus christ it's all about jesus christ yes. it's not about psychology sociology it's not politics it's not science it's not anything else an apostle must also friends oppose what all errors must be a pious man and what sir a learned man so saint paul says in second timothy 2 verse 15 do your best to present yourself to god as approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth learned and pious man i said an apostle and a pastor should not only preach the gospel but oppose all errors so here it is galatians 1:6 through 8 i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel and you read second corinthians 11 a different gospel a different jesus and a different spirit a different gospel which is really in your gospel at all evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you let him be what sir eternally condemned that's what you say to those preachers who will not preach you are cursed yes. eternally condemned listen to second corinthians chapter 11 13 through 15 for such men such preachers are false apostles deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of christ and no wonder for satan himself masquerades as an angel of light it is not surprising then if his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness their end will be what their actions deserve that's go to hell this is serious business sir, to be faithful in the proclamation of the gospel we cannot add to it subtract from it or pervert it 
Acts 20, 28 through 32. I suppose Timothy was here along with other elders of the church of Ephesus. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock even from your own number. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each one of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace. That is the gospel which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Friends, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel. We have a responsibility to guard the deposit of the gospel entrusted to us. So we read 2 Timothy 1.13 and 14. What you heard from me, keep us the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard! The good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the great deposit. This is truth. Guard it, read it, study it, do it, memorize it, meditate upon it, oppose the errors, declare it to your father and mother and friends and everybody else. Every pastor called and sent by Christ must preach the gospel and guard it against all errors. He is entrusted by Christ with the gospel deposit and he must give an account to him on the last day. I must tell you with great sorrow, most churches have abandoned the preaching of this apostolic gospel. Jesus Christ appointed Paul as his apostle to preach this gospel. He was also made an apostle by the command of God the Father, the text says. Paul did not appoint himself, neither was he appointed by a church. Let me read it to you from Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He was commanded by the Father and the Son. He could not refuse it. How can he? He is a slave of God. He had no choice in this matter. He was chosen from all eternity to preach the gospel. So was Moses and Jeremiah. Even I did not have a choice. I tried to run away. But who can run away from God? And I stand here to speak to you. So Paul said. Woe unto me. If I preach not the gospel. God chose us to eternal life in eternity. And he saved us in history. In time. God is our savior and Jesus is our savior. Verse 3 says God is our savior. Verse 4 says Jesus Christ is our savior. God saves us through his son Jesus Christ. So our thanksgiving to God expresses itself in bearing witness to God's love for sinners. God and his son command us also to share the gospel for it alone is the power of God unto salvation. It alone is the medicine for all human misery. Verse 4 says, the slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ writes this letter to Titus, his true son in the common faith, common to the Jews 
and to the Gentiles. Friends, Paul had many spiritual children. First Timothy 1 2, we read Timothy was his true son. Here we read Titus was his true son. In Philemon 10, we read Onesimus was his son, his very heart. In Corinthians, we read he was the father, spiritual father of the Corinthians. He says, you may have many guardians, but only one father. And I think God is speaking to us, what have you done for me? Do you have any spiritual children as a result of your sharing the gospel? Can you say, you are my spiritual son? Have you brought your children, parents, and friends to Christ the Savior? Share the gospel in the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. God will use you. God uses human beings like us. Open your mouth. We read in Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke. Out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. May God help us to be filled with the gospel and filled with the Holy Ghost that without shame, we will share the gospel. Why should I be ashamed of the gospel? For it alone is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Titus was Paul's true son, one born of the Spirit, one who lived a holy life. And so one, unlike Demas, will persevere to the very end. One who clearly understood the cost of discipleship. Both Paul, the Jew, and Titus, a Gentile, had the same faith, faith in Jesus Christ. There is no difference between Gentile and Jewish believers in regard to the content of their faith. So we read Colossians 3.11, here there is no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Or Ephesians 3, 6, the mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. No different. Thank God for his grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus reaching every believer every day. Did you know that, sir? It is reaching every believer every day. Grace is unmerited favor. We merited eternal death and we received eternal life. We were enemies of God. Now in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, peace with others, and the peace of God fills our heart. God is propitious toward us because of the propitiatory death of Jesus Christ so Romans 5 1 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ Hebrews 4 16 let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need Sir, we enjoy grace, mercy, and peace forever. No more worry. By Christ's death, he defeated all our enemies. Friends, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so Paul writes this in Romans 8, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, not a man. 
It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus died more than that. Who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God. And is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It's a challenge to all the enemies of us. And then he concludes, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height or depth nor anything else in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's praise the Lord, sir. May God help all his elect sinners to believe the truth of the gospel and have the hope of eternal life heavenly father we read in the bible you sent word and healed them and i pray that you heal your people save your people strengthen your people encourage your people bless your people Enable them, O Lord, to be blessed by putting their faith in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.